Gaming NBS episode 268 coming to you Sunday, November 10th, 2019. Welcome to Gaming MBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's here. Glad everyone's on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I am doing fantastic. How are you, Brett, Mr. Hunting Season? Not too bad. I was out uh, a little bit yesterday. And for those who care, I got to, there's plenty of, the rut is kicking in. That means the, the boy deer are chasing the girl deer for huh? people who don't know these things. And huh? uh, yeah, it's getting kind of crazy. The boy deer are very aggressive. <laughs> I could tell by the speed at which some of the does sprinted through the woods. I'm like, yep, they're being chased. Yeah, there would come the buck. So kind of funny. Huh. It's a good time to it's good time to be out there. It's not like freezing, freezing cold, but it's still it's nice. Mind clearing. Yeah. It's a good day. It's nice to be out. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Did the snow melt? Over by you, dude? Yeah, there's no snow around here. Yeah, I have a little bit in, like, the pockets, but I think it's going to snow again soon. It's going to freaking freeze our asses off in the next couple of days. I heard my wife read somewhere that if everything goes as a uh, per the forecast, mm-hmm. that it'll break over 170 records across the country. That's a lot of records. Yeah, that's a lot of coldness in flipping November. <laughs> winter... No, I'm done already, man. You're done already? It's not even December, man. I'm oh, done. Oh, you sissy. Come on. November, it out. I don't mind November. I don't mind because, like, uh, what is it today? We're talking about the goddamn weather. How boring Dude, is shit? Holy is shit, this? we're old, man. Okay, we're done talking about the weather. Yeah, so let's, done. I'll tell you what, in connection to the weather, let's do, let's jump into announcements. So in uh, Evercon, evercon.org, uh, it's in January this year, and it's always, uh, always chilly. We have had 30 below, 40 below, but. We pack in 800 to 1,000 gamers every January that show up because, as I tell people who go, how oh, can you have a gaming convention in central Wisconsin in winter? It's an indoor sedentary activity, people. Gamers will come out of the woodwork if they know they have a place to go that is warm, has food, and great gaming. So there you be. Uh, check us out, evercon.org. We have a number of BSers are running games. We've called this out before. And last count, I think I'm topping 216 um events already in we've got DD adventures league coming on strong this year we've not had that before people kind of dabbled with al up in my neck of the central wisconsin woods and it looks like it's going to come um and see if they can get a good push out i think they might be uh let me double check i think we've got epic so yeah check it out evercon.org some cool stuff coming <clears throat> i know guys like kevin Corey. And uh, other folks that are friends of the show are going to be running games. We've got everything out there from Astonishing Swordsman, Sorcerer Viper, Boreum. I think there's going to be some Cthulhu wonderfulness out there, all sorts of goodies. So, again, if you're a BSer and uh, you like running games at Con, I would love to see you there. And, again, having you running games would be awesome. So, Sean and I were talking before the show, and November is a son of a bitch for, for me for scheduling because of hunting trips. And I said, hey, Sean, by the way, uh, the next two weeks, <laughs> the next two Sundays, I'm out. And he's like, ah, crap. So basically, we're going to take a short break. I'll be back on the 24th. So that's Sunday or Monday the 25th. Sean, I'll record one of those evenings, and then we'll have another show there. So not too long, about a week, maybe a two-week long break. But Sean's got a birthday coming. we got Thanksgiving holidays. We've got, I think you've got a wedding anniversary. Is your wedding anniversary coming Wedding up? anniversary, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. got a lot of, a lot of busyness now. 
And um, we don't often take breaks. Last time we took a break was uh, a few years back, accident time. But other than that, we were uh, pretty much on it all the time. So we'll be back. There's nothing. There's nothing that is. Um, there's no pod fade happening here, people. No, there's. If we decide to wrap up the show, we'll wrap it up. We'll, oh, we'll give we plenty tell of people everybody. notice. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah like, I think maybe episode 500, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't We're know. not. It's just more uh, time of year. It's the it's the end of a TV season, and ours happened to go 267 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if, you, if, you, if you miss us that much for the little over a week we'll be out, just remember, you have about 270 hours of gaming BS you can dig into from the back catalog through current. There's each show is about an hour long and there's 268 of them. So there's a lot of talking out there. Yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll be back. It's not no oh, big yeah, deal. We'll, be we'll recharge the batteries and get things cranked up to 11 again. Perfect. Yeah. Any other announcements, man? We oh, no. No, let's go into random encounter. Random encounter. Punch it. All right, random encounter. You can start. You want me to start? You do that. Matt V comments on tracking PC wealth and more. So I'm tracking player wealth. Ah, uh, player wealth. Ah uh-huh. ha ha, ha Matt. Ah, uh, I like player it. Player character wealth, Matt. Because because although, yeah, we're not tax people. We're, we're not. not the IRS. No, we're not tax man. And I have found that if you ask people, hey, what's your uh, net worth at the table? They get a little cranky, and rightfully yeah. so. Bad very idea. uncouth. Very uncouth. Do to not keep do track that. of player wealth. We will assume in this case that Matt is a savvy person, which we know he is, and he means player character wealth. I love the idea of abstract wealth systems, but in my opinion, they don't work with all games. Yeah, I can understand that. I was first introduced to it in D20 Modern, where it works pretty well, but it is rife for abuse. The reason being, in my opinion, is that abstract wealth systems are easy to manipulate and abuse. I have yet to see one that wasn't easy to manipulate, but I haven't been exposed to a huge number. It wasn't too bad in Modern because bear gear caps were relatively low, but caused some problems in D20 Future as gear was significantly more valuable and useful. Higher gear cap. The issues in my mind that make abstract wealth difficult are how important is gear? If gear is important, it becomes harder to abstract wealth. Pathfinder, P- Pathfinder 3rd Edition and Shadowrun are perfect examples of this. Gear is so vital to your character, can basically be scaled to infinity, and it's generally assumed you have access to gear. I've never maxed out gear in any of those systems. And your gear is as important, maybe more, as your level slash experience. There is always more stuff to get. I think that makes doing an abstract wealth system very difficult for those systems. The lower the cap on gear is, the less this is an issue. I think for many of these types of systems, you could abstract lifestyle. But you do well to keep money to deal with gear. Hmm. The other is... If resource management is important to play, Mutant Year Zero, Torchbearer, and Red Market are the most obvious examples. In those games, resource management is a major part of the system. To abstract that is to put a, is to gut a major portion of those games and actually an important aspect to the experience. At that point, why play those games? So in my opinion, abstract wealth is excellent if it works, but it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. 
I've been trying to develop a really good system for it myself, but haven't. I've been considering doing a mixed lifestyle for where you live, renting cars, meals, but a harder currency for purchasing gear. There's also a somewhat abstract such as how Cypher system uses gear in tiers, although in practice all their settings actually use hard currency, so I'm not sure it'd actually work. It works nearly perfectly for Fate. Of course, resource management isn't an issue and gear plays no role whatsoever, so it fits my model perfectly. On whatever this episode is, wrong group, I just recently had this experience. We had a guy, so he's on to another topic, by the way. We had a guy who had been with us for our last two campaigns. About six months ago, we switched to Shadowrun. The game's been significantly less combat-oriented. About a third of our runs have had no combat, while another third have had a single encounter. He checked out a short while ago, and I think it's largely because it's not as combat-slash-action-oriented and has a bigger focus on social-slash-investigation than the last two games. Another player who usually plays bruisers complains quite often about how useless he is. He won't quit too, but not every player is adaptable to all types of games. I also like Brett, or I also like Brett. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Sean's got to put in some commas there. That's all right. I I have to read the commas. They're there. I just have to read them. I, uh, I also, like Brett, tend to remember this happening a lot when I was playing in the early teens. I remember at one point as GM having a lot a long conversation with the party paladin about why he couldn't threaten the shopkeeper for more money. (laughs) I think that's, I think we've got some good points there around um, extrapolating wealth in one way or another. If you do have a game system that revolves around gear a lot, you know, especially your earlier editions of D and D to pick on those, the gear makes the man, the gear makes the adventurer. I mean, a first level fighter is a first level fighter, but once she got the plus two sword, you know, plus three against, you know, lycanthropes or something. That became a different character. It was the gear, the, the stuff, what you could buy is very, very important. And I think 5e does a interesting piece where gear is important in 5e, but um, it doesn't seem to be quite as important. Maybe that's a topic for another day. But, yes, I definitely agree with that. And your other point there, man, when you talk about, not all games are good for all gamers. Yeah, there's some some folks love the action, action, action. And what's interesting is when you have somebody play playing a bruiser about how useless he is, I mean, there's multiple ways to play a bruiser. You can play a hitter that, you know, interrogates people, talks to people, provides muscle, um, does different things. If you built that person with no other skills than punch people in face, uh, it's kind of a kind of a one sided monster you made there. So Huh. Yeah. No, you're you're dead right, man. There's there's certain games that or certain approaches to game when the less con combat, less action oriented that will drive some people away from your game. Sean, do you run into that sometimes? Yeah, people who bitch that there's not enough action or something. Man, this hobby is all about understanding everybody's wants and desires. Or expectations. It really is. Oh, it really, 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 really I'm la- is. I'm laughing because I think. You, oh you, my god! Okay, you want right, high man. action? This is. I better put that in the game, or you know, Jeff's going to be pissed off, or you know, Joe wants to role play. I better put in some scenarios where it's all talky talk, or Joe's going to be pissed off. That's like that's the deal, man. You want a successful campaign? Understand exactly what player wants what at the table. 
give that player exactly what they want, and you're good to go. Just balance it out amongst them all. See, I think that piece you just said there's a tail in the balancing out. Sometimes you will have players who, and this is a different problem, who won't go, oh, that's that's Jeff's turn. Look at that. Jeff gets to do his thing. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, it's investigation time. Ooh, that's me. I get to ask questions and be cool. Oh, wait, it's Sean's turn, and he gets to be magic guy. Some well, people are not savvy enough, honestly, to see it kind of bop around the table and go, hey, Ilana's character gets to be sneaky, thiefy girl because that's what she wanted to do. That's awesome. Go get him. All right. My turn to punch the dragon. You know, well, not you gotta only be good. You got to be good. Not only that, but what happens typically is you get one player that's playing a certain class. Mm-hmm. So you get the face player that's always used to leading and interacting and and being the point person and kind of gathering everything. But then they end up playing like barbarian or vice versa. Or or you get like kind of the introverted type person that plays the face. Then you get this weird dynamic where it's like, well, you're supposed to be the talky-talky person, but you're not inherently talky-talky. So then you get into that weird aspect. So Yeah, you better hope you got mechanics to back you up on that one because if you don't, eesh. So there is, that is all, it's so funny because that's, all this stuff comes into play. I mean. It's a, it's a tricky hobby. It is. It's, it's, a one, so, it's a wonderful, glorious hobby. Don't get me wrong, but it is tricky in parts. Yeah. I mean. It's definitely tricky. We'll get into this a little bit, um, kind of, because we'll touch on it. But Matt, dude, always good stuff from you. Thank you so much for writing in Absolutely. and commenting as always. Absolutely. All right. Over to Ray Otis, who commented on, now hold it right there. Totally agreed with your thoughts generally, but of course the opposite point, which you acknowledged, is that there's a time and a place for letting players, kids or otherwise, try anything. It doesn't have to come with a mechanical benefit. If you're playing uh, original edition and someone wants to be half-orc paladin, you should let them roll up a character, choose cleric or fighting man, and write half-orc paladin at the top of their index card. It means nothing and costs you nothing. It also adds some interesting possibilities. If a rule is so tight players can't wedge in a different idea here and there, especially one that's generally suitable to the genre, well... Let's not forget the words of our progenitor, Mr. Gary Gygax. Uh, D&D Book 1, Men and Magic. There's no reason the players cannot be allowed to play as virtually anything, provided they begin relatively weak and work up to the top, i.e. A player wishing to be a dragon would have to begin as, let us say, a quote-unquote young one and progress upwards in the usual manner, steps being predetermined by a campaign referee. Gygax, in Europa, April 1975, quoted as saying, What do you do if a player opts to become a golden dragon? Agree, of course. Allow the player to adventure only with strictly lawful players and normal men. Normal men at arms would never go near, never even, uh, never go near even a good dragon. He would be very young, size being determined by a die roll. Advancement in ability would be a function of game time. The uh, the dragon would normally take about four years to grow to its next level. Accumulated treasure, let's say for every 100,000 gold pieces of gold or its equivalent, the dragon in effect gains an extra year of growth, counting magical items. Whew, which go the horde is fairly high in gold value. Well, the player will be quite advanced at first. Those who are playing more usual roles will surpass him rather quickly. And this way, you'll not find a gold dragon dominating. Roll with it, baby. Gygax didn't say that. I did. And Steve Winwood, of course. He said it too. Ray. <laughs> so, so, oh, sorry, this, go. This, so that's, it's funny the way Ray put this too. And this goes back to Kojo. And some people were not overly enthused with Kojo's. Uh, approach to saying, hey, Johnny Jr., you can't be doing that crap, right? Yeah. Which I think the last time, in the most recent episode, 
with Kojo coming back and kind of clearing things up, it, it almost sounded like there were player player players that were more problematic than anything. Like which is what I you and I talked yeah. about, and we both kind of I bet you've got some problem players there, buddy. Which is what he had. Right. In you know, okay, but it's funny because Ray says, um, but of course that's the point. Totally agree. Blah blah. Is that there is a time and place for letting players or kids or otherwise try anything? Yep. Grat. It doesn't have to come with a mechanical benefit. Yep, sure. But okay, you should let them roll up a character, choose cleric, fighting man, blah blah blah. It means nothing, costs you nothing. Um, it also adds some interesting possibilities if if your world is so tight. Yeah, yeah. Players can't wedge different idea here and yeah, there. I just read. I just read all that. I know. Uh-huh. God damn it! I'm trying to find out where it is specific, especially one that is generally. Bah. Okay. Um. Here it is. Sorry. I read the whole fair paragraph and I didn't have to. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit that out. I don't know. There is That's no right. reason that players cannot be allowed to play as virtually anything, provided they begin relatively weak and work up to the top. And then he goes into what it's do got, you got do if quotes, a yeah. yeah, what do you do if a player opts to become a golden dragon? Agree, of course, allow the player to adventure only with strictly lawful players. So it's like you're going, so this isn't the reason I'm picking on Ray isn't because of Ray, but it's because some people actually think this. And then what happens is they would be the first to say, well, you could just let a player do it, like a character do whatever they want. Let them do whatever they want. But wait a minute. But only allow them to to adventure with lawful good characters. So there's like, do anything you want, and then there's restrictions. I'm gonna well, it's because you have, to have, you have to have balance, because you have to balance it out in some weird way. Well, maybe, or it's the same reason where it was like, um, where was the, oh, I read a thing on Twitter. It was, uh, it came up in our thread and it was, hey, what do you, what do you do if you have a party for full of murder hobos? And I'm like, you got to hash that shit out, man. Or you're going to be like dating. You're going to be like dating somebody you don't want to be with. Yeah. Because that's you're going to be game. You're going to be game with, with this pack of jerks. Hey, maybe every week, every month, and you're stuck with them. Don't be don't be murder hobos. Well, then everybody else is like, well, just tell them there's repercussions for their actions. Okay, great. So let's take that stance for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brett is murder hobo player, and I say, great, Brett, fine. Okay, you just killed somebody and you took all their shit. Now you know. A couple of days later, your face is on wanted posters. Yep. All the city watches after you, and you could go like. Well, that's effed up. What? Why? How? Like I was all sneaky. Like I left. No, I see how you're doing it. You just don't want me to be murder hobo. So you're throwing the army at me. I see how it is. Yeah, there's right, right. So <laughs> I'm like, what- just tell the freaking players. Like, here's kind of the deal. Establish it up front. If you behave like this, this these are the I'm things just that will happen you know. to you. Yes. If you do this, bad shit will happen. It, you bad shit usually happens about three thirty in the morning. Just so you're aware. Right. Or, right. So when you care, you're careful, we woken up in the middle of the night, no armor on, and I will kick your ass. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? But that what happens in those certain situations is the players will get perturbed because then they'll feel as though the game master is coming down on them. Revenge of some sort. The yes. game master doesn't want me to play like that. So they're, they're punishing throw, me. They're punishing me by throwing this shit at me. That's yeah. bullshit. Uh, that's bullshit, Sean. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, no. I, it's... Screw this game. I'm out of here. There is a, ah. it's like, it's, we've talked about this a billion times. And other people have too. It's hard to cover all the bases, but it sometimes, is. sometimes in the middle of it, you stop the game and say, look, if you do what you're doing, this is going to, bad things will happen to you. Well, what do you mean? How bad, Sean? 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm telling you. It's true. That you're going to end up on a wanted poster. People are going to hunt you down, and you, you'll be wanted for murder in this town and possibly within the kingdom. Is that what you're trying to go for? Well, no. I'm telling you. That's what's going to happen if you continue your course of action. Sometimes you break the game, you stop, you completely sc- record scratch. Yeah. Look, dude, lady, sir, madam, whomever, man, the point is if you go this way, this is going to smack you. You sure you want to do that? Because I'm telling you right now, we talked about, even if you didn't talk about the beginning of the game, your session zero or whatever, you can come back and go, ha, hold on a second. If you murder, this nun and all of her charges because you saw she has gold. Really? That's what you're going to do. Sometimes shocking people with the repercussions before it happens helps. It does. And I believe, and I don't believe you have to have a lot of session zero to do that. I think, you no, have you don't. To, some of this is going to come about during play. Yeah. And don't let it happen. You see it happening right now. There's somebody out there who is a newer game master. Yeah. And that person's going along. And they're going to do something crazy. And Alana or AJ, my two younger kids, oh, I didn't know that would happen. Aha, you learned something. Don't let it happen again. Because we're all going to make mistakes, and that's totally fine. Now, I'll tell you what, though. I'm going to jump in here. The one thing that Ray said that I liked was it doesn't have to come with a mechanical benefit. You're playing original edition. Someone wants to be half-orc paladin. Let them roll a character. Choose click. Write it on there. It means nothing. AJ and I were talking the other day. He said, I really want to make a samurai. I said, it's a fighter with a... um." Basically, a bastard sword with one edge and um, banded armor. It's a cavalier. He's like, yeah, but I have to have a coat. Yeah, you can have a coat. I said, you don't need anything, but you don't need special rules for that. You don't need rules that say I have a katana I can cut through a tank. You don't need that. You don't need to have special key powers or whatever. It's just a fighter. It's a specialized. It's a fighter with who looks a certain way and behaves a certain way. Yeah, you act, can just act, be a fighter. Yeah, act, act out like act the, like a samurai. Yeah, and you're a samurai. He's like, oh. Have your I own code, have your own ethics, have your own morality, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and he's like, I never thought of that. And it, I told him, I said, this is one of the things that irritates me about class bloat and different bloat within class and race and so on. I need to be a valley elf, a wild elf, a forest elf, a mountain elf. You're like, for fuck's sake, just be an elf from the mountains. How hard? What? Why do you have to have a, well, I want to have basically be a dwarf who's an elf. Oh, for God's sakes, what are you doing? It, do you really need to be, you know, ostensibly a cavalier is either a paladin or a fighter with a code of conduct who and nobility in their background? That's no, it. no, you don't. But there are some folks that need it. Oh, some folks love it. They they need, they well, and they may not even need it, but you're right. They may, they love it. Yeah. Or, or. If they're newcomers and they're coming from video games, you pick you pick kind of a class or archetype. And so yep. instead of coming up with one of your own, it's kind of, hey, you could pick one of these out of the book. Mm-hmm. But I agree. So that's that's the beauty of our game, ladies and gents. You can kind of do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, you I can. Mean, as long as everybody's like cool with that, man. And I think in the there's a difference between a one shot for a birthday party, a one shot at a con. Yeah. And with pre-gens and so on, or my campaign. Right. Or say, hey, I'm running white box. And Chuck goes, I'll be half orc paladin. You know what? Fuck it. Why not? And Kojo says, I'm going to be a gold dragon. You got it. Why not? We all go, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go crazy, man. Let's just make crazy ass characters. All right, cool. And then Eileen's like, I want to be uh, a drow elf um, 
there's no rules for draw off and whatever. Sure. Sure. You're a draw off. And, um, uh, so-and-so wants to be, sure. Why not? Right. Fuck it. Right. It's a campaign that we're all in charge. We all, we all agreed. So there's a lot of different pieces and parts to this, but raise points, I think are, I think are valid. Yes. yes. Absolutely valid. They are. And, and the crazier you get, we talk about gold dragon. I would read that and tear it down to guy saying, all right, you want to do that? Back to our example of murder hoboing, here's what's going to do to you. Yeah. Because to do that, I can't let you be a huge ancient gold dragon in human form. It ain't going to happen. So we're going to level this out, and here's how we're going to work it. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to be a gold dragon anymore. Oh, okay, then. Off you go. Yeah, it'd be the same as saying I yeah. want to start as a 20th level fighter or whatever. <clears throat> or saying I'm going to kill this nun and take the money from the poor box and want to you know, turn all the kids and orphans into my slaves. Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Let me tell you what this setting's going to do to you, you dumbass, as soon as you do that, right? Yeah. Sometimes shocking people with, well, guess what? The world's alive, and it and it beats your character down and cuts off his right hand and gouges out his left eye because of what he did. To your point, Sean, some players are like, well, that's not fair. It's just revenge. You're just beating me up. You did it on purpose. Now you got it out yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, oh Railroad. You know what's funny is, is sometimes, sometimes we do have it out for you. Sometimes it's we do. True. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I have. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess. I don't know if I ever confessed this before hey, on this show. Guilty. I, I've, I've killed the player character on purpose to get him out of my <gasps> oh, game. Oh, oh, yeah. It's out of the bag. Oh, it not, not recently, not oh. recently, not recently. Hope those Everest Gaming Club guys don't find out. <laughs> I did have, uh, I did have a, a kid one time where, when I was a kid, we're gaming. He's driving me fucking bananas. <laughs> like, all right. The guy turns around, swings at you. I roll the die. Oh, net 20. Oh, I, I, yeah. I lied. Oh. Uh, double damage. Oh, max damage. Wep, you're dead. Oh, carry on. Can I make a new character? Mm, not yet. <laughs> I couldn't stand him. He was just super annoying. It, it's happened. It's, not, it's not, not a good part in my gaming history, but it's a thing I've done. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. Over to you, Sean. Thanks, Rayman. Thanks, man. Welcome, new listener, Josh Beckelheimer. Welcome, Josh. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Glad to have you on board. I just recently discovered your show and have listened to some of the most recent episodes. I am now going through older episodes that pique my interest, such as episode 251, Never Prepared. I am used to running games with no preparation. When I do, I often use Swords and Wizardry, White Box, because everything is already stored in my head, and I often create unique monsters on the fly, so it's always a different and unique experience. And they tend to be one-shots, so sometimes I will say, just roll your stats in order, three to six. Tell me your gear in your fourth level four with max HP at level one, so roll the rest. And I always start the game in the middle of combat or danger. All right. Good way to go, man. I'd play in that game. Bing, bam, boom. Sometimes I will change up the system to World of Dungeons, which is a two-page Dungeon World hack. I do have to go outline. I will use some. If I do have to go to outline, I will use sometimes. He has an outline he uses sometimes. Yeah. I used to create one page adventures for Swords and Wizardry, and then one I would use often is the Siege of Krasmir. I encourage players to take risks and be dangerous because if they die, they can roll up another character and just be another villager defending their town. Love the show, and I'm glad I recently discovered it. Because now I have so many episodes to listen to. 
I like what Josh is doing there. I like the idea. One of the reasons why Swords and Wizardry um, White Box is helpful. One of the reasons I like BX, I've been rereading my BX rules. And they're elegant. They're simple. They're really, really fast. A game system you have that level of mastery of. Whether it's... I, I know people that know Pathfinder, like the back of the hand, they can, they can just rattle stuff off. And like my buddy the Alphanomicon, he's, he's just awesome at it. Now... That said, it's regardless of what it is, the fact that you've got that level of mastery, you can roll that shit out there and make it work with little to no prep. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Josh. Over to Charlie Benson. Email this in. Okay. My name, my here, name is. Here we go. Oh. <sighs> okay. <laughs> my name is Charlie, and I'm one of Jeff Hull's coworkers. Like Jeff, I'm also an RPG gamer. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Is this, he's a friend of the Jeff? Yes, he's a friend of the my buddy Jeff. Jeff. He, well, it gets even, he's not only a friend, but keep, keep reading. I think you'll find this part to be funny. On Mondays after gaming, Jeff will come to work and start complaining about how the DM treats his paladin. Yeah. How so, unfair he believes it is. So not, his, not only is he a friend of Jeff's, but he works with him. This is awesome. Yes. His most recent complaints revolve around a death curse and how he believes it is, quote unquote, bullshit. <laughs> This complaining eventually becomes repetitive and may contain F-bombs. As we both know, Jeff could be a complainer. <laughs> Since I'm not part of your Tube of Annihilation game, I do not know the backstory as to how Jeff's paladin received his curse. I'm not in a position to take sides in the matter. However, Jeff's morale, and therefore the entire office's morale, would be improved if the curse would be lifted. I'd also hate for Jeff to get in trouble with HR by using excessive amounts of profanity in the office. If you think Jeff says outrageous things during your D&D sessions, you should hear the things he says at work after he's consumed multiple energy drinks and cups of coffee. I love the podcast and keep up the good work, Charlie Benson. So, so Sean, this is for, a plea. for the sake, I, I feel this is a plea for help <laughs> for the sake I of Charlie Sandy. I feel the plea from Charlie and the gang at the at, at where Jeff works, which I will not say where it is. You're not you're not going to help him, are you? You're going to let up, Charlie. Let up Jeff. Charlie. So Jeff. The funny thing is, is that Jeff drinks coffee like it's going out of style, and then he drinks energy drinks. So, yeah, that's what the, Jeff runs on. The last thing you need, Mr. Pink, is another cup of coffee. Yes. So, Charlie, I'm sorry, buddy. Um, I will give you context. Here's the deal. Okay, I'll tell you right off, because this is not a secret in Tomb of Annihilation. There's a death curse that is slowly making its way across um, the Forgotten Realms. and what it is is that if you die, you you you're not you cannot be risen, cannot be raised, risen, raised. You're dead. You're dead. Dead. You're dead. Dead. You're dead, Jim. He's you're, dead. You're Jim. dead. As a matter of fact, in some of the NPCs, I think it even affects some that have been raised. If I'm not mistaken, nice. yeah. So, <sighs> Sean killed Jeff's character, but somebody revivified him. Wait, wait. Sean killed Jeff's character, or did Jeff? I kill. Jeff? I, I, Sean. Well, are you taking full credit for this uh, murder of a player? I think character? it was a mutual understanding. Okay, as in he had no more hit points left. And he kept whacking him. I did do that. <laughs> I did do that. Keep going. So by rights, Jeff and I. I don't know if he's even. Gonna, he might listen to this show now more often since he came to the con. But uh, he was not supposed to. Like when he was dead, he was supposed to be KO'd. I mistakenly let the cleric revivify him. Sean forgot. Uh, Sean made a boo boo as a game master. So as Sean would do in game to try to correct that, 
So that's what I did. So Jeff's all pissed off because <laughs> I'm not letting his character just be back. Back oh, to normal. So oh, you're revivified. Everything's good. And Jeff could be the strength happy. Of and he Jeff's- could skip along into the sunset because <clears throat> his character defied death. No, Sean made a mistake. So and Jeff will pay for it. <laughs> Jeff, you died. <laughs> I'll, I'll meet you halfway. So I, you know, talked it over with a few people who will remain anonymous and say, all right, Jeff, when you level up, you only get half your hit points. Or when you level up this time, you get no hit points. Oh, and by the way, your constitution drops by one point. Oh, and your constitution drops by another point. He's well, like, it is by dint of the fact that his character has such a strong and powerful faith that he's able to strain against the shackles of this dreaded curse in order to right the wrong in the land. I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff, man. Jeff is an exceptional role player, Brett. I know him to be just this great player that he can adapt to absolutely anything. So it doesn't take the almighty, powerful, flawless player character for Jeff to succeed as a player. I like this. I like what this is. This is, I need to see this game. So, so I can witness this. The fact that he's been complaining to Charlie at work just seems so uncharacteristic of him. But I know deep in deep inside him, he's gonna be triumphant, Brett. I don't see how he can't be. I've met Jeff. I have spent time with Jeff. There's no way he can't win. He he He's gonna win. You can't keep a good Jeff down. <clears throat> no, you can't. No. You can't Not keep this. a bad Jeff down. Not this guy. No way. His paladin will either go down in a blaze of glory or who knows? Maybe he'll become a death knight. Who knows? I don't know. No, it's it's good. No matter what it is. Something good's coming. But Jeff has to understand that he he just I know see I know him better than he knows himself. I see. And he you see, should you not see be inside, getting down. You see inside him. You see that eye of the tiger. I right do. There. I do, Look, man. It's there. He just doesn't see it. Yeah. Like I'm a Apollo Creed of, man. I'm yeah, coming exactly. to him. Exactly. That's where I'm coming to. I'm coming to him as Apollo Creed and saying, "Man, you cannot. You can't like throw it all. You can't throw the books in the snow again just because your guy's losing con and not gaining hit points." And you can't give up. Eye of the Tiger, man. Eye of the Tiger. The tiger man. I want you to play Eye of the Tiger at the next game session. I want that soundtrack rolling at the next game. And if you I encounter, get, I get pumped up. And if you encounter a player at your game that is just gets completely and feels completely and utterly defeated, you just you look them right in the eye, and you tell them, "Get up, you son of a bitch! I didn't hear no bell." And with that, Charlie, thank you very much for writing in. Awesome. Let's get to the main topic, Brett. Let's do it. All right. So those were Rocky references for anybody out there who wasn't wasn't familiar with the Stallone movies from the 80s. All right, topic. So Sean and I, uh, we often talk about mechanic settings, options, features. We just went through a bunch of them here. And we've also talked about, hey, why the hell on God's green earth we keep buying new game systems? What the hell are we looking for? And Sean and I have talked about, you know, next generation (coughs) of gaming, what comes next, what we should be expecting, what would we like to see, and so on. And one of the things that has kind of got me wondering is what the hell what the hell are you really looking for, Sean? What the hell am I really looking for? You know, when I, I look at a new game I was at, 
Gary kind of a while back, I picked up a book about Norse <clears throat> mythology. It uses runes and colors. It looked really interesting, but I'm like, eh, and put it aside. I was at uh, GameholeCon, picked up a book about witch hunting when in, in the 1700s. Like, oh, this is kind of Solomon Cain, swordsman and sorcery. This is kind of my jam. Eh, I put it down. I don't know what I'm looking for yet, and I'm wondering if we're going to – so let's talk about it. Is there something that we're – missing or that we wish we could see that we just haven't seen yet in some of the games that are coming out or the things that we're finding. So I want to talk about like electronic tools, uh, online game interfacing, you know, de dedicated versus toolbox games and so on. So Sean, when you're looking at stuff, a new game system, are you looking for something that is um, an emulator, a dedicated thing? We're looking for uh, a generic system like a Savage Worlds or or a GURPS or even D&D in its way is a generic toolbox type of game. Is there or what do you think? Is there one, is one of those things for like a big, uh, I don't know, a big divider one of the, the grabs your eye right out of the gate? Say, oh, this is genre specific or emulates a thing. I want, I'm, I'll be that gets me that gets my foot in the door right there. You got nothing. Uh, I'm like a surfer, Brett. Are you? Okay. I'm always. I'm like the surfer that's surfing for the. I'm looking for the ultimate ride. Okay. Now, do you want a dedicated one or do you want a generic one? What are you thinking? Oh, generic systems are great. I don't know if they're the be all end all for Sean. Got it. I I, I have enjoyed them. I've played them, I've run them, but in the end, I always seem to gravitate towards a game that may or may not be like the mechanics and the system, or the yeah system mechanics and the setting tend to be kind of tied into each other. Like when we talked about Cold Shadows, when you pick that up, yeah, you know, <clears throat> everything about it is about Cold War spies. It is, and I think that I do have one thing that I don't want to tolerate nowadays is a, a game that doesn't facilitate. No, I, I do, I do. Well, I'm talking about something new, right? If you looked at a new game, you don't want it to do what? Well, what I was going to say is that if a game is designed to be, I don't know, suspenseful. And nothing in the mechanics allows for that to take place. I'm not sure it overly appeals to me. Like, I, I would mind. You want to have mechanics supporting the atmosphere and all the key components of the game. You don't want to rely on you as the GM or the players role playing their way through it or GMing over the top of it. You know, I say that, but then I look at the games I play and none of them back that up. Not all. I shouldn't say none of them, but there's some that won't back it up. Like somebody would say, "Well, then why do you play D and D, Sean? Because there's no social social aspect. Like there's well, no social mechanic to D and D." Well, it's, well, D and D is also a generic toolbox type game. It would be my argument, right? Ravenloft, Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Avalon. These are different settings, right? And it can but be used different aspects of it. Typical fantasy can be. Avalon's ha a little different, but so, however, you play Call of Cthulhu. I Call do. Cthulhu, you're, you need to track sanity. You need to track Cthulhu mythos. You want to track how people grow and gain skills 
and how some of that knowledge will drive you mad and or get you killed. Mechanics in that game, to my opinion, do that quite well. So there's an example of one that where the mechanics are backing up the thing. Right? Yes. I think, yes. Because if I look at Bookhounds of London, it's a Trail of Cthulhu setting uh, that Ken Height made. And in Bookhounds, you build a bookstore in London. And there are mechanics that allow the bookstore to gain or lose powers, if you will, right? You can find exquisite volumes. You can find things in your stacks. You can um, get money, influence, blah, blah, blah. And there's rules and mechanics to make that happen. It's core to playing Bookhounds of London. Instead of just saying, hey, you own a bookstore, and yeah, and that's kind of where all the adventures start from, it gives you reasons and character classes and things that kind of, or professions, I should say, that kind of that kind of feed into it. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. D&D is the one game <clears throat> that I don't mind being my generic toolbox game because I love Dungeons and Dragons and I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's because of my first or whatever. So if I set that aside, other game systems that I have that I really enjoy, Trailer Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, um, even my uh, well, Delta Green, much the same, my vampire games that I used to play. Um, Christ, I'm losing some of the other ones that are on my shelf. But um, DCC, for example, Dungeon Crawl Classics evokes and has mechanics for that feeling. When you're playing Dungeon Crawl Classics, the mechanics enforce the feeling that they're trying to get. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. So I'm with you there. I'm with you. I like to have, and I know somebody out there is saying, Brett, you always say fuck the rules. Da, 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 da. Yeah, 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 I get it. But the core mechanic and the main driving pieces behind those systems are there to enforce the game. And that's what I'm looking for too. I like that. So let me ask you this one. Do you care so much about the type of randomizer used? Here's here's and here's the thing. This goes into kind of gear at the table type of thing. I am not I like dice and I'm not one for playing cards for initiative, um, chips for bennies, you know, boxes for this, um, dice for that other thing. Um do you like using dice as your soul as your randomizer? Do you like? Are you looking for randomizers? I mean, I the one game I was looking at had runes. You could get like a <clears throat> rune stones to to use. And uh, there's other new games that are out there, or ones that are new to me anyway, that have different methods for um, generating random. And if it's not dice, I tend to go eh. <laughs> Well, what do you- yeah, I would say I'd lean on dice, but the thing is, is that Fantasy Flight's games are, are you would consider them dice, but they have different symbols ah, on good them. point. Very good point. Yeah. Now, does that, does that turn your crank when you see a new game out there? Like, hey, you know what I'm looking for? I want a system. Uh, I want a setting and a system, mechanics that support the setting in all the right ways. And I want funky randomizer, you know, like Tiddlywinks, pickup sticks. I want tea leaves. You want dice? You want playing cards? You want special cards? What do you think? I'm always intrigued by the design choices of some of our esteemed RPG designers and producers. <laughs> the one thing I like, it, so it doesn't have to be that. Like it doesn't, I don't have to grab a game and go, oh, cool, funky dominoes for the game resolution. 
Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I got to have this game. Am I intrigued about Dread using a Jenga tower to create suspense? Absolutely. DCC using D7s, D24s. The die chain. Yep. Yeah, the yep. die chain. Yep. Um, and they, they, t- they do go well with the games that they're dealing with. Those two examples. Same with Fantasy Flight Games. What they are trying to achieve with Genesis, as well as the fantasy with the Star Wars line of products, mm-hmm. is great. I think, in my opinion, it's it's not something where you're going to. If you took Star Wars, and you used regular dice, you can still use regular dice. So the symbols you can use numbers for. And yeah, well, I mean, there's out. there's D six, the West End game, Star Wars, right? Yes. It's not like you can't play Star Wars with. Regular dice without symbols or weird, interpret- weird is too strong, but interpretive. But I roles. don't also. I also don't think that some of those mechanically create the same dynamic that the Fantasy Flight games system does. So your randomizer mechanic, a dread block tower, or the Fantasy Flight in this example, that goes back to your thought of the mechanics enforcing the type of play. I would, the, that the would be at the table. accurate, yes. They don't okay. all have to, but I do well, even find I think, an appreciation. I think right? The the whole, well, you could succeed and still have a fall, like a, a, not a failure. You could still succeed with a disadvantage. Yeah, but, and you look at Dungeon Crawl Classics, the dice chain. Yes. Funky dice in a funky system, it, it totally, it works, right? It, it enforces... That setting, I would even say Savage Worlds, exploding dice, and how they do things, that enforces the Savage, um, uh, what do I want to say, uh, da, 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 aesthetic well, that the they have, fast, the, the pulp, the fast, furious, aesthetic, yeah, and fun, yeah. So it, the whole card thing, the whole minions and and mooks get you know knocked down. You're either up, down, or off the board. Yep. All that is to facilitate to facilitate what they've really had in mind for what they want Savage Worlds to be. So in addition to randomizers, then whatever you're doing with that, be it in um, some symbol, symbolic interpretation as like with the fancy flight stuff. Do you groove on additional gear at the table? Like, Hey, there's uh playing cards for initiative. I'll pick on Savage Worlds plus Benny chips plus dice. Do you like all that type of thing? Is that, or is that, because I'll tell you, when I had um, when I had my copy of Invisible Sun, one of the things that I'm like interesting, interesting, and I was getting like, "There's too much shit here." This is for me, right. for Brett. I'm yeah. like, "There's too much crap to have at my table." No, this is. I want something more elegant. Oh, I, I don't know if I could perfect perfectly define elegant, right. but I'm like, pragmatic. Too much. Yeah, pragmatic. Just too much crap on my table. Yeah, and that threw me off. So, is there a I, I don't even know what the hell my tolerance level is, but do you look at certain things and go, ah, I want dice and that's it, or I want dice cards and chips, dice cards, chips, and beer glasses? What, is there a limit for you? Well, I'm a bit of a hypocrite because oh, – we all, we all are, dude. That's I know. That's, that's, the, that's the human condition, Charlie. It's like every that's episode right. of this podcast. Um, Because part of me nowadays, I don't want to be overburdened with a bunch of shit. 
And I'm starting to look at some ding, of the ding. things and I'm like, why am I buying this 360 page rule book? And why is 360 pages the marketing piece? Hey, look at this. It's over 400 pages of goodness. Not, it is. It's 400 pages. I don't know if it's of goodness. Like, I don't know if that, <laughs> like, if you're trying to market to somebody that doesn't like a lot of that, you don't want to tell me the page count is as big as a Bible. Or bigger in some cases. You know what on I'm it. saying? Like, hey. Going back to last episode, depending on the format, if you went small book, you, you know, anyway. You know, on. it's champions. The, the rule book with a thousand pages in it, it's got to be good. Uh. So you're looking for tight, concise, punchy, easily digestible. I, I kind of lean towards that, but at the same time, there are games that are coming out that do have a lot of pages because they're all... I mean, look at the DCC rulebook. That thing is big. Now, I would say, though, each spell is like two pages long. That's my point. That's what I was yeah. going to get at, right? It's a big, big book, but it's also warranted because the sections are broken out and one section is very big and it's all spells. So every yes. spell has at least a single page to that spell. Because all the random shit that can happen. Correct. And it's tables. And, you, and the critical charts. And the critical and, and the fumble critical charts in that book. Yes. They're all in there. That's If you took those out, whoink, boy, get a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. They even have the cheap booklets, <clears throat> like with the, the tables in it mm -hmm, that, you mm -hmm. can, that you only need. And that's all you need at the table. You don't need the big rule book, as long as you have your, all your spells down. My point is that. You know, I'll look at a book and go, ooh, I could really use that. But do, could I? Do I? Like, I don't play OSR-style games. I don't play, like, first edition AD&D. &D. I don't play BX. Um, could I? Absolutely. Would it take anything to play that game? No. It's two things with three hole punches in it, and you could put it in a folder. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of it. You have your characters, and you just roll with it. There's no skills. There's The spells are... But you look at like Cold Shadows. That's a pretty thin book. Eh. I read well. I read quickly. I mean, it's not. It's it's not huge, but it's not. It's not a zine. I mean, there's some true. I mean, it's about as thick as a Savage Worlds um, Explorers Edition. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not thick, dude. Yeah. No. As a matter of fact, I think it might even have more pages than the Explorers Edition. I'm saying I when you and I bought copies of a Zweihander, I that's that's oh, a tome, dude. Zweihander is a perfect example. Like, look at that beast. Yeah. And here's the thing with Cold Shadows. Again, going back to what you said about DCC, is even the girth of Cold Shadows. It's not. Everything is different on every page. Its target number is always, if I'm not mistaken, it's eleven. Always eleven. It's always right. eleven. The only thing is that as it goes through, there are a lot of things when you build your character that says, hey, if you're part of an agency, you pick it, it has all these agencies listed and you pick one. So that's going to be a few pages. Then you pick uh, a bureau that you're going to be a, or a division that you're going to be a part of. And they're all listed. So depending on all those, you add traits to your character. So a lot of that book is dedicated to a specific kind of thing where if you take... Well, let's go with Delta. Let, let, even Delta Green. Yeah, you get both books. Right. The the player's book, the core rules of it, that's tolerable. Yeah. The Handler's Guide is bigger in its history. Now, I love Delta Green. 
I've been following it for years. So seeing what they did, how they brought things up to speed, it's great background. But if you didn't have that book, you could play Delta Green. Oh, as a matter of fact, I have um, – what is the DM screen? Thing? Oh, yeah. Um, was it Need to Know or something? Need to Know. It is. is. Exactly that, Brett. Need to Know. So Need to Know you could buy. That comes with the, the GM screen for Delta Green. It comes with – I want to say – Fast play rules. Four – yeah, quick start rules and yeah, four pre-gens. Yeah, I have the, I bought the PDF of it. Yep. Yeah, and four pre-gens. So literally – that's it. Like all you need to play that game, literally it says is this, but if you want to take it further and all this other stuff. I like that idea of being able to having a game system that the thing that attracted me to Savage Worlds at, at first when I looked at it was, huh, this is pretty, it's pretty light. Yes. Read, 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 read. I got it. And and partly because I don't have, I could make the time, but I do a number of different things. And the amount of time that I want to personally spend downloading all the stuff. Even I got to know a lot about the original Vampire of the Masquerade and the, inter- the original White Wolf um, catalog and all the different components and pieces and parts. That's because <clears throat> it's in stacks and stacks of different books. Most of the books were your average RPG length, like a, a player's handbook size from a D- from a D&D perspective. <clears throat> because it came at me in bite-sized pieces, Oh, I have enough. I can play this game right here. Um, I think that's, I like that approach. So I look at a new game or a new system out there. One of the things I'll pat myself on the back with Avalon for a second. One of the things I liked about what Encoder and I were able to do with it is it's digestible. You can read it quickly. It's not like the huge, it doesn't feel like um, a Midgard book. Yes. Which is, or Tolis from a city setting. No doubt Monty Cook's Tolis is fucking amazing. I can't digest all that, or I could, but by the time I read it all, I don't know if I remember it all, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like if you read, if you read my Avalon book, you got it. Good. Quick reference. It's not that thick. You get your, uh, the Kickstarter stretch goal. Hey, there's some more stuff. Oh, there's some more details. Cool. I can have this. It's in this book. This is in this book. Great. It's not so untenable. I got Zweihander. I looked at it and went, wow, this looks kind of cool. I paged through it. I've yet to read it because... Sitting on my on my shelf, going fuck. That's a big book. It's gonna take a while to get through it. And I, <clears throat> unless it's, I was actually really nervous about DCC until you told me, Brett. The rules are like you know, sixty pages. Yeah, if you're it's not, not hard. if you're not a caster, like half the book doesn't even pertain to you. Yeah, and it, just because it's an all in one book, so it has all. And that was the other piece. That book has all the player, all the the rules, the player stuff. The magic stuff and all the game master stuff and monster stuff and hits and fumbles and you're like, oh, it's full of charts and blah blah blah. <clears throat> page, 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 flip, 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 flip. Oh, here we go. Here's the here's the skill section. Flip, page, flip, 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 flip. Oh, here's the thing about how to make monster encounters. And it's not that hard. I actually buzzed that book pretty fucking fast. Yeah. So I think a, a, a speed of consumption is big. I want to be able to grab it and go because I have so much stuff right now. But if, if I'm hip to buy the new thing, I buy it. I want to be able to digest it and get it to my table as fast as I can. And I think I can, I'd be willing to play and dink around with alternate randomizers and more gear at my table if I could digest it all quickly. And that was the thing that Invisible Sun threw me with. Um, one of the multiple things um, was I have so much to digest and so much crap to bring to the table physically 
no, not it's not going to work. I, it's not going to work for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's. I think we're both agreeing. On, we kind of. I want to be. I want the mechanics to enforce what's going on, and I want to be able to get it to the table as quick as possible. I'm re- I, I'm reading Modiphius Star Trek briefly on and off again. We played it a little bit with Jimmy and Doc and the gang, mm-hmm. and I think there was a lot of things that we screwed up. As and as a matter of fact, I think Jimmy pointed them out. Actually, as the game master, there were some things we weren't doing properly. Okay, which probably led to a. It wasn't a bad gaming experience, but it it. If we had known it better, it probably would have went smoother. Or well, sometimes you feel, oh, that felt clunky. Or, right. or Oh, fuck, we're missing. Oh, that's why the combat was so stupid. We completely forgot the knock them out rule. Oh, shit. Right. Now, I'm rereading that. It is a, a decent-sized pl- uh, book, uh, all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. But they have some splat books. And I'm like, I don't have any... I really, really don't want to buy any more splat books. Like, if I run a game of Star Trek, because Jeff is a Star Trekkie, he's a Trekkie through and through. Mm-hmm. And I've, I know if I throw that thing on the table, he'd be like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And But at the same time, I don't want to. Space Paladin, Jeff. Space, space Paladin. He's Captain Kirk, Brett. I, I'm just saying it's a Space Paladin. Jeff's That's what I want to see. Captain Kirk. Keep rolling, keep rolling. Jeff, I tell you, man, he's Captain Kirk, Indiana Jones, like those two guys, and Han Solo. Throw some Jedi in them too. That's 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 Jeff. That's <laughs> I love everything about that. But no, I get the other thing that you got with that one though is you've played it before, so now you're revisiting. Uh, I it, it's been so long. I think it's been a okay, year. Okay. It's been over a year since we even touched it. And I haven't. I mean, I know there's momentum and some of those details, which you know uh, are similar to Destiny, Light Side and Dark Side points in Star Wars. Gotcha. So you got a swing. Um, but you know, Star Trek's not combatty. It's it's not. You know, you in any Star Trek episode, at the most, there's maybe one scene every couple episodes where there's a phaser blast, combat. yeah, phaser, yeah. Fight. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's then that's kind of or a two fisted karate chop to the back of the neck, right? Yes. It's it's uh, you know two minute scene, like people getting okay. thrown to the wall and somebody gets knocked out. But the whole point of my thing is that it's a decent sized book. There is some splat books, but I have no interest in getting the splat books. If I run a game, it'll be just based on the core book. If somebody else wants to buy splat books and go, oh, it's got this cool class in there, it's a cool race, you know, that's fine. Even the Star Wars books. Like, I haven't bought every single book that's come out for Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars. I've bought mm-hmm. every, I think, almost all the adventures in a couple of expanded um, settings. But I haven't bought because they have a lot of splat books for every one of those. I'll tell you, man, the other, speaking of hefty books that aren't that hard to read is the Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer's Hyperborea. It's a big book. The second edition, big goddamn tome. It's bigger than DCC. The rules aren't that hard. It's first edition AD&D, better explained than the original ones. It's actually pretty quick. The rest of it is is like setting stuff. And, oh, you breeze through it. Oh, where are you? I'm in Camoria. Where are you? I'm over in this part. Oh, I'm on the Plateau of Ling. Oh, I'm over here. I'm over there. It reads pretty quick. The original box set, I breezed through that rap really quick. Um, he has uh, Jeff Flanian put out a player's guide just to take all the different. There's a ton of classes and uh, races and things you can do to make your character. So there's options, 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 options. Once you get past that, the rest of it is, oh, the rules, done, read the rules, good, good to go. I'm off and running. The rest of it is setting and flavor. 
And for me, setting and flavor is buzz, 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 buzz. That that I that I read really rapidly, um, especially if I know that I'm not sorting through the setting material for rules. Once I've digested the rules, the rest of it is like zip, 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 zip. zip. I just go, I, I can go through it pretty quickly. Um, at least I can with that one anyway. It, that one again, big book, but it felt to me like a DCC thing. Like this section is important to read. The rest of this I can read at my leisure. I don't need to read this to play in this game. Right. And being able to do that, I think, could be pretty handy. I like that. Okay. Kind yeah. of being heavy setting, uh, having the system, the book divided so you can go at the right stuff. Yeah. Something we like. Yeah, that's another thing that I'm a bit of a hypocrite about too is, you know, do I need another fantasy game? Do I need no. do I need no. D&D? Do I need Swords no. and Wizardry? Do I need <laughs> Labyrinth Lord? Do I need Zweihander? Do I need DCC? That's another thing I've been consciously battling for a long time. Oh, same, brother. You know, is do I I've literally sat there and went, "Okay, I could get this. No, no. I had La- I had Labyrinth Lord, a really kick-ass looking cover of Labyrinth Lord in my hand. Went, wow, this is pretty cool. I have BX. This is, but this is Labyrinth Lord. It's really cool. I have BX in my yeah. head. I yeah. this. I'm like, I have BX, two different hardcover prints of the original books, both of them, and I have PDFs. Yeah. Do I need? I don't need this. I don't need this. Yeah. Put it down. Yeah. Instead, I went and bought Borrow Maze. Instead, I can, I can use BX and I can use Borrow Maze. It's a setting. That's fun. I right. can I can take the thing I have and implement. Yeah. All right, man. So another one for you here is when you're looking at a new system or something, um, we talked about this when we had Darcy and Troy on about Cypher System, and we've talked about this with other games, is are you interested in systems, mechanics that are giving more power or influence to the players? That traditional, I'm the game master, I set the world before you, I, I am the final judge and arbiter, or do you like the idea of mechanics that are pushing stuff onto the players? I uh, give, I give them sway over the rules or the setting or the things that occur. I could go either way on that. I, when I okay. ran Tuma Horrors at GameholeCon, I had some of the players roll stuff. Like, you roll the damage. I'm not rolling shit. Did you do – do you go either way on it because you want that mechanic to enforce the – the feel of the game? No, in that in that specific instance, I did it just to keep players to get players engaged and have them do something. Like, okay, all right, Brett, you roll the damage for Jane. Go ahead, roll. It's forty ten. Roll. Yeah. What's clack, the result? Clack, clack. Yeah. Yeah. I, Fifteen. I'm busy. I got a book in my hand. I got a bunch of crap yeah. in front of me. <clears throat> do that for me. Yeah. Gotcha. Just cough up forty ten and see what. Let me know what you get. So it's not. To me, it could go either way. I don't. I mean, all the games that I run are pretty traditional game master players. There isn't, uh, you know, I haven't run Dungeon World where it's, you know, well, Star Wars. They come up with the positives. I'm, the game master is supposed to come up with the negatives. Mm-hmm. But that component, I don't pick a game simply because of that. Unless it, that doesn't that doesn't throw you. you. Don't go. Hey, I like this one. There's more pl- more player agency, more power of the player, more something for them less for me or it's more of a co-op-y feel, you know. It would if it has a, di- like, if it's a, a design that I'm not, uh, that I'm interested in. So if they did that specifically because it's, like, this cool game and this is how it's run and it okay. it's different from all the rest of the stuff that you've ever done before, then something I may look at is if it facilitates a certain feel or 
a, a certain approach and makes it quite a bit different from everything else with a purpose, not because they just want to do that. So we talked about the kids on bike stuff. Yes. Do you, and I'm completely forgetting part of that conversation. Do some of those that we talked about, did any of those have that type of uh, the kids get to do X? So the kids on bikes, if you were to start a game, um, you you have the people at the table asking each other questions. So there is an mm. actual in the book, okay, you ask the person to your left this question, they come up with that. And then that person asks the next person this question, and you come up with that. So you're building kind of a town and some of the creepy characters or locations in the town. Dresden files the, uh, the full-on fate version, if I'm remembering my reading of it, ages back. You build the city together. Okay. Yeah. So it would be something along those lines. Um, in the Tales from the Loop, there isn't as much as that as of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, the setting's already there. They pick their characters almost like there is a kind of a hybrid playbook-ish uh, feel okay. to Tales from, of the Loop. Um, a little, that, a little that, bit of that with, with kids on bikes as well. But that co-optive power on which side of the screen, that's not a thing that throws you one way or the other. Mm, no, not really. Okay. No. Huh. I mean, I don't mind it. Uh, you know, if we played a game and the players always rolled the dice and the GM never did, like Dungeon World, I'd be fine with that. That's, I don't, I do, it doesn't make it better or worse for me or more appealing hmm. or less appealing. Okay. I'll tell you. So, one of the main reasons I want to talk about this is because it's, it's interesting to me after going through Game Hole Con, looking at like the Witchfinder game and a couple of other ones. Oh, this looks neat. Eh. Oh, this looks neat. Eh. And sometimes you're like, what What am I looking for? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if for no other reason than I have shelves and PDF files galore of stuff, and I'm consciously trying to be more picky. And some of the things I have I really love, and I haven't even, you know, just because I've read them, I haven't even had a decent chance to play through some of them. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell is it that I'm actually looking for? What would grab me? And say, hey, Brett, man, you've got to read this thing. You've got to look at this. I love setting books. I really do. I like a good setting book. Wrote one. Like them. They're fun. And, you know, that's kind of what grabbed me with Astonishing Swordsman, Sorcerer's Hyperborea. I like the A. When I realized what the mechanic was, I'm like, oh, it's first edition. I can do this. I'm like, wait a minute. Delaney put a lot of time and effort into this setting. Learn more about setting. I like this. I'm in. Um, so I think... Sometimes, as, as corny as this is at the tail end of it, we're like, hey, I want to, you're looking at something, and it's very easy to get sucked into uh, at a con. You can get the sales pitch. Oh, this is a great thing, blah, blah, blah. You got to buy this. It's the best thing ever. We use cards instead of dice. We use dice cards and tiddlywinks, and we use beer glasses and blah, blah, blah. And some of that may sound interesting, but I, to me, I'm the more I'm looking at this, to stop me from buying another fantasy game like a need like a hole in the head. Like, what the hell do I, am I really looking for? You know, if it's I'm looking for a game surf, that, man. It, I think it is. And, but like, so now I'll, I'll see a game. Let's say it has to do chivalry, knights and chivalry. I'm like, I have Pendragon. So unless there's something about this game, about knights and chivalry, that really would just blow the Pendragon idea out of the water, it's kind of a meh. Maybe I'll pick up a PDF type of thing. But um, it's helping me, <laughs> helping me help my budget. By trying to be a little more critical of when I pick up a game, go, huh, what do I think about this? And then walk away from it. 
I bought some of the New World of Darkness stuff when they came up with Changeling and Hunter, and like, oh, this could be cool. And after reading through the New World of Darkness Hunter, when that first came out, I was ready to vomit. I just, the, the, just, it would go on and on. And it was like reading this random flavor text in the weirdest sections and just, oh my God. And I realized part of my frustration here isn't just, I, I don't want to get into the lore. I don't fucking care because there's nothing about this that's really grabbing me. This was a stupid impulse buy. I never should have done this. I should have thought about it more. So, yeah, anyway. man. So, folks, if you, you know, what is it that you're looking for? What grabs you on a system? Are you looking for something that doesn't exist? One of the things we didn't even get into is, like, electronic tools. I know some people are like, oh, I want to play this. There's board games out there that are uber complicated, and now they have, now they have kids today. We have apps that will help you, an iPad app to help you run your game, or they're critically tied into it just to speed up play and so forth. And people that play Mansions of Madness, I think, is one of them, and a couple others. And it just makes the game incredibly more fun and faster to play. I don't, I don't know if that's a, a thing that people are hungry for in their D&D type game, your tabletop RPG. Do we need a better online interface for gaming or something? But uh, let us know what you think. What is it that you're looking for you haven't found? And or what is it that uh, really grabs you and you says, hey, if this game had X, I'd be really tempted to look at it. You know, what, what are the key things you're looking for? I think is what we're asking. Hello? Is it me you're, <laughs> you're looking, looking for? for? There we go. All right, let's die roll it up. before. Do we you want to roll some dice? <laughs> Do you want to go on an adventure? All right. Uh, short one this week on die roll. I just want to put out New Mexican. 2020. Indie RPG. Oh, that's right. Con. Yeah. So our friend Matt Bonehoff. Putting a Kickstarter up there to raise some funds. It's in its seventh year, I think. It's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, from April 17th to the 19th of 2020. The Kickstarter is fully funded, and he exceeded his goal. Um, and it does end the 25th of November uh, as we record this, 2019. So if you want to support the con in any way, feel free to look at that. Uh, obviously, if you're in the Albuquerque area and you haven't heard of it or you haven't gone you should go check it out. Or if you've got friends, you, if you have gamers in the Albuquerque area, yeah, they're not sure they know about it. Please spread the word. Bonhoff's a good dude. Matt's a good guy. Trying to do his, trying to do his best for gamers in that space. As a guy who helps run a convention, I can tell you when people are like, oh, April next year, that's forever, that's forever away. People tell me that about EverCon in January. People say that about Gamehole Con, Gen Con, every con, no matter how big, no matter how small. Oh, that's forever away. The the <laughs> as we just talked about trying to be frugal with our. Our, uh, our pocketbook when it comes to buying new games. I'm trying to be frugal with my time off, people. So knowing what's coming, where it's going to be, and uh, when is awesome. It helps me plan out vacation time. So if you're thinking about it, April 17th through 19th in 2020, take a look. Well, so the next episode that we're going to drop is probably going to be somewhere in the weeks of, I don't remember what we agreed to, Brett. Uh, I think it'll be the week of, let's see, I'm going the week of the 18th. It'll be like the week of the 25th, that Monday, that week. Thanksgiving week sometime. Yeah. So after that. That'd be the soonest. The week of. Yeah. The week of. The week of, of, yes. So otherwise, uh, until then, uh, let us know uh, what we mentioned, what you're looking for in a game. And then are we going to stick to this topic on the next one? 
No, I think we might have some time because it oh. depends what we get from feedback and stuff. But one of the, my operating goal was to talk about PCs operating as a team versus individuals. Kind of that some games are kind of have the design. Let's pick on D&D, for instance, where you're a party of adventurers trying to go after a goal together. And back in the day when I ran Vampire or Amber, it was never the goal. <laughs> you were all for one and one for me. <laughs> all for me and me for me type of thing. So trying to mix those things together can be kind of difficult. It can be done. But uh, talking about those components. So we might do that or we'll see what if something pops up. Sean and I will do our best to stay in the forums, as always, um, as we go through work and vacations and other things this month. So, All right. We good, man? We're good. All right. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Hawk Sparrow, Corey Wynn, Larry Haupt, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Basor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Talvola, Husk Carl, Roger Braslett, Mark Soam, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Chad Glayman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Merkel Froelich, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Kevin Lovecraft, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Jeff Seifert, and Aaron Raelia. For a dollar a month, you can get our episodes before the public. Just head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.